The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Hey, so my name's Andrew. We're so happy that you're here today. And one of the things that we've been doing in this series is we've been on a series called Life Multiplied, making the most out of what God's given us. And we've talked about a lot of different topics. We've talked about prayer. Uh, we've talked about Bible and, and the reading of Scripture. We've talked about serving. We've also talked about marriage. And we've talked about building the right foundation. And I thought today, just to do something a little bit different, today I have a little panel. I'm going to have them come on up. This is um, Joanne and Neil Smith. So come on up. This is my mother-in-law, Judy Ledger. My wife's going to be joining us as well, my wife Amanda, as well as Kyle and Emily Brown, who are our worship and uh, youth directors. Can we give them all a hand as they make their way up here? Absolutely. Welcome, you guys. Find a seat. You may be wondering why some of us are dyed um, red and blue. We lost a bet. We voted against the Patriots, and they won the Super Bowl, and so we had to dye our beards or our hair um, red and blue. So it's so, so difficult to have to be wearing these colors right now. So I'm just going to have you guys hold on to these mics here for us. Um, But yeah, one of the things, come on in, guys. One of the things we thought would be kind of cool today is obviously... Normally on every Sunday, you hear from me, and I prepare messages, and you love them so much, but I thought it'd be so cool in this kind of a setting for you to hear from other people and hear what God has done in their life and hear what, how God has been shaping um, their spiritual life and their journey over the course of however many years they've been married or how long they've been serving. And here's what I love is this is different for every person and what they have to say. They have different things to add, but it's going to be def- definitely more conversation in style. It's just going to be an opportunity for us to hear a little bit about each other and a little bit from a different voice that I think will be super, super helpful. So let me get my chair. I'm going to take Josh's over here. Uh, But we're going to start with my mother-in-law, Judy Ledger. She's my favorite mother-in-law, best mother-in-law of all time. And so, uh, but what I love about my mother-in-law, Judy, is she is an amazing, amazing prayer warrior, first of all. She's also uh, incredible in that she's raised five amazing kids and has a plethora of grandkids, which is incredible, who all love and serve Jesus. But what I love about Judy more than anything is that she has really lived a life of service She serves not only uh, our church, but she serves my family. She serves in other avenues, and she'll be telling you a little bit more about that here in a minute. But she is like a servant to a fault. Almost to like, we have to sometimes rein her in as a family and be like, you know, mom, you're doing too much. You need to slow down. You're doing way too much. You can't be going like, you know, you're not 30 anymore. But she just goes and goes and goes. She's in like, I'm not calling her old, okay? She's in her prime, okay? But um, she's just an incredible person inside and out. The other cool thing that I love about her is she is super supportive of Amanda and I and what we're doing um, here at Grove Church in Nahomish. She's actually been a part of Grove Marysville for many, many years, raising her kids there. But when we decided to step out and take on this venture and this whole cool opportunity that God put in our laps, she was one of the first people that came with us to be a part of um, this whole journey. And so I wanted to ask her and talk with her a little bit today about serving and how God has impacted your life in serving and what you've learned about serving just as a whole from obviously raising kids, but even now what you're doing currently. So 
So first of all, um, thank you for the kind words. Give God. Thank you for the kind words. Go. Give God the glory. And second of all, uh, I he knows I'm totally out of my comfort zone because I do not like speaking in public. <laughs> I have always shied away from it. That's one of the things about serving. I um, I never. I always want to work in the background. I want to be in the kitchen. I want to be the grunt worker. I don't want to be out there because I don't like this. Andrew knows that, but anyway. <laughs> and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, serving is, um, it's wonderful. It changes your life. And it's, there's so much to serving, whether it's um, um, serving your family in your home, uh, going on a, uh, the, out in the mission field. Um, I've been blessed, and over the years I've been able to do a lot of both. And uh, it's just wonderful because, uh, first of all, you don't always know your talent, and God, um, God's given us each of us a talent. And I, um, I kind of haven't found mine yet. I'm still kind of looking. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I, I love uh, serving and meeting people. Uh, it's been fun just doing the mobile church and the setup. And um, over the years, um, whether it's in, on the mission field. Um, with or without family being there, uh, God has just shown me that um, serving is really a part of who God is. Mm -hmm. And he showed the biggest part of serving when he gave us Jesus. And Jesus came to serve us and died for us. So I, I think if, if you really want to uh, draw close to God and know what he has for you, uh, first of all, he's given us each a talent. Um, and, you know, it may take a lifetime to find it, but that's okay. And second of all, um, he he has a heart for people. And so whether you, um, I mean, it can be as simple as um, being at the grocery store and someone needs something or somebody's down and out or somebody at work. It, it's constant. It's All you have to do is say, God, use me today and show me. And you know he's going to be faithful and do that because he's so faithful. So mm -hmm. um, you have to, I think it requires you um, a, a big prayer life. I think that if you um, want to get involved in serving, I think um, you have to spend time praying and asking God, God, what do you have for me? What is my serving supposed to look like? Because he's always trying to develop in you uh, that talent that you think you have a I want to find, but uh, he's always trying to develop uh, that in you. And so, um, whether it be um, you know in in the in the background, not doing anything uh, out in the front with people, or, or speaking to people, or praying for people, or on the mission field, especially with the prayer needs that there are, you are totally out of your comfort zone a lot of times, and yet you're not. You might be talking to one person, you mm -hmm. know. But it's a matter of totally depending on him. Mm -hmm. for what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Totally, and, and that requires spending time in his presence and, and listening, mm -hmm. you know, and that's pretty hard to do in this day and age where we're so task-oriented and go, 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 and so mm -hmm. that, that's really been a challenge. Um, did you want me to share that other part? Yeah, I do, okay. absolutely. Okay. The so, mic is um, yours, girl. Okay, go well, for I'm, it. I'm almost done. She's so. going to be preaching um, next Sunday, this, this too. Is so. that, <laughs> <laughs> this is something that changed my life two years ago now. Um, Three, well, three years ago, I, someone invited me to, to join this Bible study fellowship, so I did. And I loved it uh, because it got me into the Word 
totally, and I just loved it. So, But two years ago, at the end of the season, I was asked if I would want to lead a Bible study of 15 women, and it's kind of intense, and you know, you shepherd these women, you call them once a week, you pray for them, you come alongside of them in their walk, and they walk with the Lord. And I said to them, you're asking me to do this? I said, there's no way. I mean, I'm sorry. I just don't think I can, but I will pray about it. Mm-hmm. So so uh, we were leaving on a family vacation, and um, I the personal pronouns came out. I said, I, me, myself, and I. I said, Lord, I said, I'm going on vacation to a tropical place. It's going to be about 10 days in the sunshine with my grandkids and all. I don't want to ruminate for 10 days about this decision I've got to make. Mm-hmm. Isn't that awful? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I mean that is so you, t- you tend to ruminate. <laughs> I tend to ruminate. And, and I, that's why I asked him. And, you know, it's, it isn't very often I go to a tropical place, and I was really excited and everything, and it was wonderful. But So I grabbed this little book out of my office, a little pamphlet, and I was reading it on the plane. And I had said, Father, will you show me before I get to Cancun? Because I just don't want to deal with this. I just can't. You know, it's going to ruin my vacation. (laughs) Anyway, uh, because I would be. I'd be talking to my daughter. I'd be saying, what should I do? And I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to come right from God. So I said, will you show me? So I'm on the plane. I'm reading this little pamphlet. My grandson's sitting next to me. And the pilot said after three three hours or so, um, well, we're on the final descent. We'll be there in about 30 minutes. And I'm just saying, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do, you know? Well, I get to the last chapter of this book, and it's about serving and, and, and serving in a, in a study a Bible study, and it said, you might feel intimidated. Actually, it's really fun to do. Um, you have to trust God because he had asked Moses to uh, lead this, lead and do this wonderful thing, and Moses said, God, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that, God, mm-hmm. you know? But God said, no, Moses, you need to do it, and I will give you human and spiritual help. Mm-hmm. And so... I thought, and then the next three or four pages were how to do it. Mm-hmm. The first thing you do is you pray. Mm-hmm. The second thing you do is you, you, you know, you make sure you study the, the material. Uh, it's work, you know, and I thought, mm-hmm. I said, okay, I will do it, God. I will do it. And then I got really emotional. I almost had to cry, but my grandson's sitting next to me, so I tried not to. But I got off the plane, the first thing I did was tell my daughter, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I've been ruminating because God has asked me to lead this Bible study. And I, I put this little fleece out there, and I said, Lord, will you show me before this plane lands? And it was the last chapter of the book I was reading. Wow. So uh, not only that, I was able to share it, um, that exact experience later that evening with three of my grand- teenage grandkids. And I told them, I said, if God ever... Um, ask you to do something, spend some time in asking him to show you. I mean, just say, God, show me how I do this. And he's, he's faithful. Absolutely. So. I love it. I love it. I want to put you on the spot a little bit just for a minute, not necessarily about serving, but about parenting, because you've raised five amazing kids who all love and serve Jesus. And I wanted to ask you, how, how did you raise them? And what are some practical tips that you used growing up growing kids in a family that was Christ-centered, especially when it came to trying to balance that with serving and finding opportunities to serve first and foremost in your own home, but then outside that. 
Andrew, you always put me on the spot. I that know. wasn't one of my questions. I know it wasn't. <laughs> I took each question and was praying about it. I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, well, it was a joy to be blessed with five children. And really, they weren't all planned. Yeah. <laughs> but they were wonderful. They were wonderful. <laughs> and uh, I, I loved being, being a mom and, and having children. It was, they were the best years of my life, seriously. And um, basically, I prayed a lot. I, I really can say my whole life has been a life of prayer. I mean, it has to be because it's a very uh, difficult job to be handed this little creature baby and know that you're going to raise this baby and I'm um, being so inadequate. I don't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. But, and I would say, oh, all it, all it requires is love. Well, it requires more than love, <laughs> especially when it gets to the teenage years and, you know, yeah. And and then the boyfriends come and, and boyfriends yeah, it's like much me. Much easier when they're Liddy's age and they're yeah. little <laughs> and they're eight and nine years old. They're, they're, I mean, it's exhausting, but it's little. Yeah. But really, I I really owe it all to really um, God's uh, sovereign uh, way of really always being there. I mean, yeah. many nights of probably tears and uh, and I have I. I'm not bragging, but I have wonderful kids, <laughs> mm -hmm. and they were all really great kids to raise. So, um, yeah. so I I was blessed in that. I my task wasn't as hard as some of the ones I I have heard of and, and mm -hmm. know of. But I really think it's just letting God uh, be God of your family and uh, bringing the kids uh, to church and being part of a youth group and just all those things. It's, it's really a combination of all those things. Yeah. And I do think it's really important to let them know how much you love them. Mm -hmm. I mean, constantly. And, mm -hmm. and when you are disciplining them, tell them, the reason I'm disciplining you is because I love you, you know, mm -hmm. and God, and, and, but I've got to make you do this because if I don't, you're probably going to kill yourself. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So whether it was holding my hand when we were out somewhere and I, if I got really mad, I'd say, I have to do this. I have to be really upset because if you don't listen to me and to God, you're probably going to kill yourself. Mm -hmm. So it was yeah. always that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't, some of them are sitting here right now and they're probably <laughs> saying, oh, mom, you know. But seriously, um, I don't know if that's answering the question. There. No, it is. Yeah, I love it. I could listen to you talk all day, but we'll, we'll give someone else a chance. Okay. So uh, I love it. Um, okay, so Neil and Joanne, I want to, I want to go to you guys now. And we'll shift gears a little bit to talk about marriage and, and family. And obviously, you guys have raised three amazing kids. And I know Caleb's back there at the camera, so good to see you, brother. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about, just at the basic level, how long have you guys been married? And maybe a little bit about you know, how you guys met. But then really, how, w w what it takes to go the distance and have a healthy family and have a Christ-centered marriage. And obviously, Amanda and I are celebrating 10 years of marriage this year, and Kyle and Emily have been married a lot shorter than that. And then obviously, you guys are a lot longer than that. But I want to enter this conversation about marriage, because I think it's a very powerful one that we can learn a lot for someone who's gone the distance. So, I've been married my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be 33 years, 34 years in July. Okay, get that mic up on that. There we okay. go. Okay, there we go. Yep, get it up there. There you go. There you go. So 33 years. Well, I guess um, for us, our marriage started, we met through, I, I knew his family before I'd even met Neil. So I was kind of set up that way. Um, and, you know, we didn't, you know, I think Neil thought I was really too young when he first met me, but then we um, got together and ended up uh, getting married. But our marriage didn't start out being real good. Um, it was a kind of a tough marriage. Um, 
And we uh, tried, you know, there was enough good, and I knew that a marriage was a marriage that we would be completed. I knew that Neil had things um, that made me strong, and and we really completed each other. But we also did struggle a lot when we first um, were married. And um, <laughs> mm -hmm. So we went through a lot of different uh, trials in the early years of our life. Um, you know, we uh, we ended up going to a marriage ministry. I, I think I shared with you one time that uh, Joanne came home and I was actually going to tell her I was going to leave her that night. And she came home and said, hey, uh, there's a marriage ministry up at the church we went to. Would you like to go to it? And I thought, well, you know, I, I'd been raised in the church. I'd fallen away from God at different times in my life. But I decided, uh, this kind of seems like a God thing. So maybe I should listen because I knew there was a downside to not listening to God. Mm -hmm. So I decided we'd go up to the church. And when we got there, we, we listened to what they had. And a woman came up and prayed for us and said, you know, I saw an angel covering you two mm -hmm. while we were here listening to it. So we signed up for the marriage ministry. It kind of goes back to Judy's point on serving. We went through it once. And we thought, oh, this is great. And we better go through it again. So we went through it again. And then the couple that was leading the ministry came to us and said, no, that's enough of just being an observer. You need to, to step up. Okay. And so, you know, it goes back to serving on almost everything. You really feel under-equipped. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing because God will equip us. Mm-hmm. We, if we go in thinking that we have all the answers, we're probably not doing it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so we stepped up and we led our group. And then I think we did it for how many years did we do marriage ministries? Five or six years. Five or six years. But we knew that, um, I think about a year going into a group, we had our first kids. And we knew that if our marriage wasn't strong, we would not be able to be strong for our kids. And mm -hmm. I think that was probably one of, at least for me, um, something that was really strong is that I, you know, I wanted our kids to have the best of what they could have. And mm -hmm. that would be um, with a strong marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that, um, you know, you wanted some, some clues about how we made it to 34 years. And I think a lot of it is taking the long view. So you can get so caught up in what's going on today. And we're so, you know, interested in, well, my spouse did this, my spouse did that, and we, we get kind of a short-term vision on it. And, and I think God really wants us to have the long-term vision. And, mm -hmm. you know, children provide that because you start thinking about, okay, but I'm going to have an impact on my child. So if we would have went through on a divorce or something like that, it doesn't just impact us. It impacts our children. and It doesn't impact them just for today. Yeah. It impacts them for their whole life. Mm -hmm. So it was really getting into kind of that long-term view that really kind of turned us around. And then also coming to the decision that this was it. Mm -hmm. There was no backing out. There was no second chance or, you know, the I think Satan will often tell us, you know, there's always something greener on the other side of the mountain. There's not. <laughs> there's not. I see so many people, and, and we, we did this for years when we did the marriage ministry, and you'd see people come in, and, and they had married the same person just a second time, huh. right? Yeah. And they had the same problems, yeah. and they didn't understand, how, how did I have the same problem I had with my first wife? Mm -hmm. Well, because you didn't change, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't your wife that needed to change. You didn't change. Mm -hmm. And that's why the same thing keeps coming up over and over again. Uh, 
you know, and, and one of the things I think that if I was sharing about marriages, and I guess I am, um, <laughs> Satan will try to tell you that this, whatever your experience is unique to you. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Most of us have gone through the same trials that everybody else goes through. You know, the Bible says nothing's new, right? Mm-hmm. All men have experienced the same kind of temptations. And so we all go through those things. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the real benefits of going through a group setting with marriage and the way they did it, they wouldn't allow two couples from the same church because we're freer when we're talking to strangers about some of the things we're experiencing in our marriage versus you've kind of put up this facade with the people you see every day. And it's, Mm -hmm. well, I don't want to go outside my comfort zone and let them know I'm having a problem in my marriage. But if I don't know the people, it's like, well, I don't care. I'm never going to see them again anyway. (laughs) Sure. But then you'd find out that, well, we're having a problem with our finances, mm-hmm. or it, it was usually communication, finance, and sex. Those are the three things in a marriage. And you'll find out people have issues in that. And then the other couple would say, oh, you too? Well, mm-hmm. And then we start finding out, hey, yeah. it's the same. We're all going through the same things. And yeah. the answer is always the same, too. Yeah. Good. Was there a specific? No, that's great. I think this is good. So let me ask you a question about prioritizing your marriage when it, your marriage when it came to raising kids, right? Because we all know the experience. I mean, obviously, Amanda and I are in that season where we have, you know, two little girls, and obviously trying to make time for each other when we're trying to raise kids. What What are some b- best practices that you guys learned to prioritize your marriage while also trying to raise three awesome kids? Well, I think. Um you know, starting out, it was um, kind of a given because we were in that marriage ministry and that um, we knew that one night a week and actually two nights a week, we were going to be focused on doing something. So a lot of times it was that time that we had driving to wherever we were going, that that was our best time that we got to talk. Um, Neil and I are not ones that go out to eat a lot. We don't go to shows. We don't do a lot of things outside, but we do um, really enjoy our time together. So, you know, even driving like um, the distance, that was a really good like date night for us. Mm -hmm. And so um, it doesn't have to be a lot, but we knew that that one night a week we had um, babysitters for the kids and we just got out and and um, it caused us to, to focus on that. But I think we had to do that because otherwise it's very easy to say tomorrow or, um, you know, we, we wouldn't otherwise be setting in part um, that way. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, no, I, I think that that was really good. And the things that we shared about on those times were not the surfacey things, right? Mm-hmm. So you had to talk about, because the lesson would be on communication. So we had to talk about communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had to, we, we would go through certain verses. So I, I think all of that was very beneficial and reading the Bible together and those kind of things. Probably didn't do it enough, right? It would have been smoother if we'd have done it enough. Yeah. But uh, like I said before, the kids gave us kind of that long-term vision and it also gave us something that our marriage has never been closer than when we had a shared objective. So we, uh, General contracted our own house, and it was amazing because we had the same vision. So it really helped us. It gave us that mm-hmm. common thing to go forward with. Yeah. And we had the same thing with our children. We both knew what we wanted our kids to be. 
Mm -hmm. right? We wanted them to serve God. Yeah. And so we had that shared vision. And, and a lot of times we would think about, well, we want to do X, Y, Z, but the best thing for the kids is to do this. Sure. And so we would choose to do what was best for the kids, kind of that long-term vision. Yeah. You can never lose sight, though, of this is the most important. So you have your relationship with God, and then this is the most important other relationship because the kids will grow up and they'll be gone. Yeah, And we have seen people in, through different facets of our lives that have invested everything into their kids. And then when the kids leave, yeah. they're lost. Yeah, absolutely. And you just can't do that. you yeah. got to always maintain this relationship and the strength. Yeah, good. I love it. So moving over here to Kyle and Emily. I know that you guys are very newly married, not quite um, newlyweds, but um, I want to hear a little bit about from you guys what you've learned about marriage thus far, or I even had a few questions I sent to you last night. You know, what has God taught you through marriage that you wouldn't have learned being single? And then um, after you answer those questions, obviously you both have a, a real deep heart for worship and, uh, and a desire not only to lead us in worship, but to have a, a, a lifestyle of worship. And I want you to maybe speak into a little bit of the best practices you have found to making time for the Lord's presence in your life and, and those type of things as well. So we'll start with marriage first. So being married, what is the biggest thing you've learned about being married thus far? Well, so we've only been married for a little over two and a half years. And before we got married, everyone said, oh, the first year is going to be so hard, guys. It's going to be hard. I don't know what you how you feel, but I feel like we're two and a half years in and we really haven't like hit that point where we're like, oh my gosh, this is hard. Mm -hmm. Like we're at this point, I mean, we're just having fun. We're, I think part of that is we really are just best friends. I mean, we enjoy hanging out together so much, maybe more so on me because my love language is quality time. So I want to do everything together. <laughs> So maybe I'm happy and he's not. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him the mic. Let's get him the mic. So we can, um, but really, I think we, we just, we really do. We go to the grocery store together. We clean together. You know, if I have homework to do in the morning, you know, he comes with me. Like he works and I do my homework and we just, we watch the same shows together. We're not like doing our own separate thing. We're really just doing it together. We're serving together and it's, it's fun, you know? Absolutely. I love it. Kyle. Yeah, it's so much fun. She is my best friend. Um, my love language is definitely not quality time, so I do love spending time with her, but what I've learned from marriage is that I'm a very selfish person. I'm very like, if my alarm's set for 8 o'clock, I don't want to wake up at 7.53. I want to wake up at 8 o'clock, you know? But she's just like, I'm awake. Let's spend time together. I'm like, it's like five minutes. It's all, it's all five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, I just think I'm, I, I realize like how selfish I am really when like I come home from work or something and, and she just worked all day too, but I'm the one that wants to sit on the couch and do nothing. And so sometimes she gives me a reality check of like, like, hey, I worked all day too. And so I have to, you know, kind of put that aside and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to spend time with you. Or even just like the other night she wanted me to hang out with her, but I just got home and I was like, just sat, literally sat down on the couch and I was like, no. Don't do this to me. <laughs> but I put it aside, and then we actually had we had a great time. We were playing games or something. I don't even remember, but it was awesome. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Good. And now, what about worship? I know that you have a passion, obviously, for worship and music. But really, as just 
a lifestyle of, of really finding Christ in everything um, every single day. Tell me a little bit about just your best practices for how to engage God in worship and, and, and strive for wanting to know his presence more. For sure. Yeah. And I, like you said, it is a lifestyle. It's not just 20 minutes on a Sunday of listening to songs or even just listening to songs. It's not just that. It's, it's really how we conduct ourselves in our lives, how we walk in life of, you know, at every decision or every moment we have a decision to make and that's either choose ourselves or choose Christ. And so I don't know if there are necessary best practices, but there are practices to do. And that is just spend time, spend time in the word, spend time in his presence, spend time, you know, listening to things that are, that are good for you. I know a lot of times I get stuck listening to the, to the radio music and, and then I end up, being mad for a week and I don't know why I have no idea why, but that's just because I'm flooding myself with things that aren't good for me. And so a good practice would be like now I've, o- I've only been listening to worship music for a couple weeks now. And I, I mean, I even just feel better just, just because I'm just flooding myself with positivity and, and what Christ has done for me and just rem- reminders of, uh, of tons of worship songs that, that say that kind of stuff. So, yeah, good. I love it. Um, so good. I, I love what you're saying too about what you put into your mind. Obviously, it does affect what you listen to, does affect kind of your habits and your attitudes. So I, I really love that you are, are talking about that. Um, well, this is my lovely wife, Amanda, and I want to talk a little bit about our marriage because I think it's important to kind of hear from us as well about how we feel about marriage and, and what, what has worked for us. And our marriage is no walk in the park, but I'm going to let her kind of share her thoughts on marriage based on uh, what works for us to have a healthy marriage, what hasn't worked, um, what, what do you think it takes to have a, a, solid, a solid marriage. Um, I don't know. This keeps being put on my heart, so I'm going to share this. But we've been married almost 10 years. We also dated for a long time because we met very young. And we met back as children, but then we started dating in high school and dated in high school and then went off to college, separate colleges. And I think, you know, starting a relationship young before married and being married and my tendency as a personality, maybe to rely more on him, being more of a stronger, more outgoing, more extroverted. I think the biggest thing I learned even before being married was just the importance that even though we come together and we enjoy life and we become a a unified couple, that at the end of the day, we stand before God just on our own. And it's so important to have a strong relationship relationship with Jesus on your own before before coming into that marriage relationship. And so that was the big thing that God taught me through like college years of being separated and being reminded of the fact that in order to make this relationship a uh, success and to make it glorify God, we have to be uniquely strong in Jesus on our own. And so that was something that we took time and we were of course physically separated by distance, but we took time in our relationship to really like seek out God and not even communicate. We took an absence from communicating. This was your idea, not mine. It was my idea because I I realized that I could be a dependent type, type person. And I realized that, you know, I have to know that I've started dating this guy young and I love him, but I have to be my own person and I have to have my own things that God's doing in me. And so, yeah, it was really good. And it was, it was a, we even journaled through it or whatever. 30 days of no No, it wasn't 30 days. It was like a week. A week of no talking, no texting, no emailing, no instant messaging. Well, there wasn't texting at that point. But anyways, um, so I guess I just think that in marriage, you know, in relationships, that that is our our big success, that we we each have to have 
have that connection and that closeness with Jesus. And that will fuel how we treat one another, um, serving one another, like you're saying, Neil, like, you know, not being selfish, like you're saying, Kyle, that if, you know, if we are connecting with God, he's going to always be giving us that right perspective on things. He's going to be reminding us to not be selfish. He's going to be reminding us to slow down and respond instead of to react to our kids, which is a hard one when they're little and, or just whenever, when they're just nagging at you. So, um, what was your question? No, anyway, so, that, so that's been a big thing for us. And it doesn't mean it makes us perfect and doesn't mean I'm perfect by any means because, you know, sometimes it is easier just to rely on that other person or to be selfish. But I think that that helped us to set a good foundation. And we found the same thing, Emily, that we didn't have like the tumultuous first year of marriage that everyone told us about. I mean, we had the little things like, you know, him leaving the seat on the toilet up or not eating leftovers, which made me crazy and just little things like that. But I think that, um, you know, by keeping Jesus as the center and by having a support system around us of different family that were already married or people or our parents that could speak into our lives and encourage us, that has been huge. And, you know, children make add another element to marriage, which makes it a little bit harder to focus on your spouse, but it just makes you, ha- makes you have to be more intentional um, and really carve out that time to, you know, to love on your spouse. And even at our life group, I said something the other day that I felt awful about. Um, I'll share this story. It's a really humiliating for me, but my husband was really good. I think he shared last week that he serves us by making breakfast and making me coffee and doing that in the morning, which is so nice because sometimes I'll be so tired from being up with my kids in the evening or, you know, just getting up early with them. And so he'll do that. And so a couple weeks ago, he had gone to exercise in the morning. He'll sometimes bring home a coffee. And so he brought me home a coffee and he went to take a shower. And instead of then making him breakfast, because he didn't have time, he was getting ready for work. I just sat down and watched the news while my kids were playing. I was so mad. And he comes down. He's like, where's my breakfast? And I thought, what? Anyways, so so then I quickly went into the kitchen and you know whipped up his eggs and bacon, which he talked about. So um, anyways... I just felt so terrible. And I think I told our life group that story. And I said, yeah, I mean, sometimes kids just give you nothing left for your spouse. Like, yeah, the they other just... day you're like, I have this left for you in our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I was thinking about that. I was like, that was an awful thing to say. I mean, that is not okay because Andrew finds time to do all these things. He finds time to, you know, to be a pastor, to be a friend, to be a son, to be a husband, to be a dad. And all these things gets up early, serves me. And that's what I said. I'm like, oh, I'm terrible. So... Um, anyways, that might sometimes be how I feel that I don't have anything left, but it doesn't mean that I should then treat him like he, like, you know, that he has nothing or give him nothing. So, you know, it's just that reminder that even though date nights are really hard, you know, try to take advantage of family or friends that are offering to babysit and do make it an effort because there is something about quality time, Kyle, that us women, most all of us need, and men too. But yeah, there is something about getting away, going on that date night. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. And just really getting to talk, hopefully not about your kids, which we all say we don't want to talk about our kids. We talk about them the whole time. But just setting aside that time to spend together. And it usually will refuel you. And it will kind of reconnect your relationship. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, if we all are going to Jesus first, he'll give us the energy so that our husbands don't get this. <laughs> Um, and that we can do what we need to do for the people in our lives. Yeah, I love it. I love what she was saying because she brought up the reminder. When we, were, when we were in college, it was a week, not 30 days. We decided to not talk at all. And this is her idea because she wanted 
us to really determine if Christ was really the center of our, of our relationship, of our lives, first and foremost. So we journal, we just made this commitment that for seven days we would journal every single day and then and come back seven days later and talk about what we had learned. And uh, I never forget, so Amanda, every single day for Amanda was about how much she loved Jesus. Like day five was like, man, Jesus taught me this. I was out in nature and I saw this tree. And every day was about her and Jesus. For me, every day was like love poems to her about how much I missed her voice, which was awesome. It's like a sappy, sorry excuse for how much I loved her. And so it was just so funny. We both came seven days later from two totally different experiences, which was awesome. I think the other thing that has really been beneficial for Amanda and I, and Kyle and Emily alluded to this, is Amanda and I are really honestly, we're best friends. She is my best friend and I'm her best friend. And we have a little quote on our fridge, some magnet we bought years ago that came to my head when she was talking that says something like, you know, I'd rather do nothing with you than something with anyone else. And uh, that is like the true statement of our marriage. We would rather just be together doing nothing, watching some stupid movie than going out and doing something with someone else. And so um, I've really had to learn that though over the years. Cause when I, I think when we were first married, I really struggled with understanding that Amanda's love language and the way that she felt loved the most was quality time. And that's not necessarily my love language, but for her, it was quality time. And quality time for her was not in a group setting where I thought that that applied. You know, if we were hanging out with friends, then we were spending time together. And that was not the case. Quality time for her was her and I, eyeball to eyeball, me listening to her share her heart with me and just having undivided time together, just her and I. And so I think I learned that over the years. I think someone taught me this years ago that, you know, your wife is not your buddy. You know, she's not your pal. And I think that was another good piece of advice because she is my lover and my best friend, but I don't treat her like my bud. You know, she's not my pal that we just kind of hang out with. She's much more deeper and much more intimate and much more, um, it's a much stronger connection than just a friend or a college roommate or a neighbor or something like that. And so... I think the last tidbit I wanted to share about our marriage that I think is super important is that Amanda and I regularly pray for each other out loud. And I think that's a really beautiful thing to practice in marriage, that where you can take time throughout your week and actually pray for each other, things that you're facing in life with your kids, with your family, and you have an ongoing opportunity to pray for each other, um, not just for mealtime, not just for bedtime, but throughout the day, throughout the evenings when you're facing stuff. And so I think that's been super helpful in our marriage as well. So can you give a hand to everybody up here today? Thank you guys so much. As we make this transition, the worship team's gonna make their way up. I think it's just really good to do these kind of things because again, like I said earlier, a lot of times you always hear from just one voice and, and primarily that's my voice, but I think it's important to hear from different life stages, um, different seasons of life and really begin to again, again to ask yourself that question, God, what are you calling me to do? Whether it's uh, you want me to take these steps in my marriage or maybe take these steps in serving. And you know, we didn't even really get to get into prayer or the scriptures or those type of things, but God, where are you asking me to multiply my life? Remember the, the verse that we've been going over is, Jesus said, I have, give you, I have given you life and life much more abundantly or life more abundantly. It's this idea that God wants something from, for us that will continue to help grow our hearts. And so I hope this was helpful for you. But again, I wanna encourage you to be thinking about, God, what are you saying to me in light of all that I heard today? What are you saying to me? And what are, what, what are you wanting me to do in my relationship, 
or in my family or in my job or wherever God's calling you um, to do that today. But let me pray and then we'll, we'll transition here today. God, I just thank you so much that we just get to learn from each other, God, and that is really the beauty of the body of Christ. God, it's not just my story, it's not just our marriage, God, but it's other marriages, it's other relationships. And God, it's not just marriage, it's serving, it's prayer, it's worship, it's time in your word. God, we get to live this multiplied life. And I thank you, God, that right now your Holy Spirit is putting on every single person's heart. Well, what is it that you're calling them to do? God, for some, it is to take a step and work in their marriage. For others, it is to align their life with Christ and make sure that you are the priority. For some, it is a step into serving, whether it's in the church here or in their neighborhood. But I thank you, God, that it's your Holy Spirit that speaks to us. It's your Holy Spirit that draws us to you. And so we thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives today. And I do just pray a special prayer today, God, as we leave this morning, that you would keep us safe on the roads. You'd keep us safe throughout this week, God, as they're saying more snow is going to coming. I pray for your protection, God, over every vehicle, over every family here today. Bring them home safely. We thank you for it in your good name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.